Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, December the 26th, 2022. It is currently 12.10 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio, where it is time once again for another episode in our Bible Study Exercise podcast series. Bible Study Exercise podcast series is designed to get you off the couch to a table with a notebook, a Bible, a pencil, reference tools, so that you will study the Bible for yourself. That is what the Bible Study Exercise podcast series is all about. It's not about me just turning on the microphone, giving you what I've studied, but to try to get you involved. So I present things like, well, it could be this, it could be this. I present like maybe I know, maybe I don't know. I give you questions. I give you homework. I give you assignments. We provide you curriculum, everything we can to have you engage in meaningful Bible study. And so I hope the Bible Study Exercise podcast series, I truly hope, It will be a major part of your 2023. I hope you will spend a year with us. For those who participated in 2022, I hope that now that we're reaching the end of this year, you've looked back going, man, we had some good Bible studies. I've learned a lot. I hope you can see the value in what we've tried to do. I hope you can. Now, you may have reaching the end of 2022 going, you know what? That Bible study exercise, it sounds like a great concept, but the execution is poor. Maybe you have some 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 legitimate critiques of it, and I, and I apologize for any weakness that you, and anything that let you down in it, but I still think it's a great concept. Yes, I can always improve the execution of, of the idea. I know I can always improve that and I will continue to improve that. But I think if you stick with us and you do every Bible study exercise that we put forth in a year, I think by the end of the year, your knowledge of scripture will have grown uh, so much. I, I think in some ways it's like basically a, a Bible college. It's a, it's a seminary education in many cases, and you're doing most of the work. And I think that that's why it, I think that's what makes it so amazing. It's not you just listening to someone else. The Bible study exercise is trying to get you involved. And when you are involved, here comes my transition. When you are involved, it makes the study, at least it, it, it makes it more exciting for me. And I think it benefits everyone. Your involvement and participation, it is not, it doesn't just help you. It helps other people. And today is a perfect example. So if you have not been with us, let me remind you of what we've been doing. All right. If you have not been with us, let me remind you what we've been doing. All right. We are in, currently in the middle of a seven-week study on the subject of fear. I've given everyone the thematic method of Bible study to utilize to study the subject of fear where you come up with six questions and then you go to the Bible trying to answer those questions. I would love to see what, again, I want to see what you're doing, how it's going. You can always send me your homework and, and just show me how it's going. Or if you have any problems, difficulties, or questions, you can email me as well, newsif at yahoo.com. Also, remember, we have curriculum. If you've been following the curriculum, we've been looking at some specific passages of Scripture in regards to the subject of fear. Psalm 33, which was such an important one. Romans chapter 8, that was such an important one. We have been looking at some very specific passages of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to the curriculum really quick. I'm going to go to the curriculum really quick. Um, wait, I don't want to get rid of this email because this email is the whole reason we're live on the air right now. 
I'm going to go to Ministry Grid, right? Ministry Grid. Hang on. I don't need to go there. I need to go here. There we go. Ministry Grid. I'm going to log in. I'm going to log in. All right. I'm going to log in. I know this is riveting, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're listening to this? Well, I, was, I, I, I wasn't planning on doing this, but now I thought ah, this will be a good time to do so. All right. If we go to our curriculum, all right, if you'll remember, we started, uh, the curriculum started uh, with the fear of God, and we looked at Psalm 33, verses 6 through 15, 18 through 22. Psalm 33, verses 6 through 15, 18 to 22. And remember, Psalm 33 was absolutely, uh, I think, still think one of the most important passages of Scripture we've studied in this entire series, because I think it lays the foundation, the prerequisites. If you're truly going to fear God, which Christians say, fearing God is the most important thing because it's the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge, where there are some prerequisites, some things you have to believe, you have to acknowledge, and you have to accept before you will ever fear God. So that study in Psalm 33 was absolutely critical. Please go back and listen to that. Then from that one, all right, that was uh, unit one, session one. Then from that one, the fear of God. Then we went to security and the place of fear. That was Romans 8, 28 to 39. Another, I think, man, I I thought that was a good study. I thought that was a good study. So go back and listen to that. So that was, uh, so we had unit one, session one, Psalm 33, unit one, session two, Romans eight. Then unit one, session three was 1 John 3, 13 through 18, and chapter four, verses 14 through 18. I wasn't a big fan of that study. I don't think that one was of great value. I don't think I really helped anyone with that. That one, that one was difficult, but we looked at it. We looked at it. And whenever I re- review the, the scriptures we've covered, you'll notice that I almost always leave that one out because I wasn't happy with it. Then we go from, so that was unit one. So let's go through these again. Unit one, session one was Psalm 33. Uh, hang on, go back. Uh, unit one, session one was Psalm 33. Unit 1, Session 2 was Romans 8. Unit 1, Session 3 was 1 John 3 and 1 John 4. Then Unit 1, Session 4 was Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Remember what that assignment was. That was last week. That was for Christmas week. Your assignment was uh, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2, and to look at all of the quote-unquote nativity narratives but looking at it, what can you learn about fear? That was your homework. That was your assignment. I wasn't expecting a lot of participation in that one because I know it was Christmas week. I still hope you got something from it because I think it was important. So that was unit one, session four. Now, this week, we are, let me go back here. We are in unit one, session five, and the passage of scripture is Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And again, if you've been with and worked through all of these studies, you, 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 you have, I, I would, I almost want to say you had to, you had to have benefited from it. I almost want to be dogmatic, but I will hope that you have benefited from it. And I hope you just see, and I'm really trying to emphasize 
the importance of doing the studies the way we do them, where I'm not doing all the work for you. And it's not simple, easy stuff. I'm giving you difficult assignments. I'm giving you hermeneutical uh, challenges. I'm really trying to get you involved as much as I can in serious Bible study. That's the whole point of the Bible study exercise series. That's why we why we're on the we uh, are on the sermons 2.0 app and the church one app so that we can take all of those messages and group them in one series so that you can go back and benefit from them. So I just hope that you'll see what we are trying to do and that you'll be committed to what we're trying to do because I think 2023 we can have the best year of Bible study exercise that we've ever had and that by the end of it you'll be like wow that was like going to Bible college that's what we want and I hope you will participate but. But I say all of that because right now, this week, right, it's Monday. So I introduced it yesterday. We're in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Now, typically what I will do sometimes when I come back and start teaching through it, I'll kind of work through the passage. Today, we're going we're gonna to just throw that out. And here's the reason we're going to throw everything out. It's because someone has already started participating. And I, I cannot stress to you, how important it is when people participate because they really add to the discussion. So we're not going to go in order. We're going to skip to one issue today, all right? And I'm going to show you it in the text. And I want you to think about this today and work on it. And I'll give you maybe some, some things to work on. Here we go. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And the focus of the curriculum is that we, instead of having fear, we need to replace fear. We need to put in the place of fear, courage, all right? And they use the story in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Here we go. Matthew 14, 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. All right, now stop right here. Now, because we know the story, we know that Jesus is sending them into basically a storm. He, we, we, we believe that Jesus knows a storm is coming. And so he's sending them directly into the storm. That, that seems to be the way we would understand this, right? And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. See, he, he's constraining them. He, he's specifically leading them into the ship, leading them to go knowing a storm is coming. If we believe that Jesus is omniscient in, th in, in this particular situation, we know that he's all-knowing, then he's leading them into it, which raises all kinds of questions. So just, and I, I won't make this, a, I guess I'll make this kind of an assignment for this week. I want you to find five scriptures, five scriptures that specifically clearly states the sovereignty of God, that God works all things. I'm going to give, I'll basically give you one. God works all things according to his will, according to his pleasure. I want you to find five scriptures that clearly declares the sovereignty of God over everything. I really, I want you to find five and please send them to me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That, that's where I wanted to go today. I wanted to work on, I was going to give you five verses that really articulates the sovereignty of God. I was going to do the teaching today and say, here are five verses to speak of the sovereignty of God. How does God's sovereignty change or help us with having the wrong kind of fear. The sovereignty of God should lead to the right kind of fear, but how does it help us with the wrong kind of fear? Now, the sovereignty of God raises serious questions, right? Because if God is sovereign, 
He's all-powerful, all-knowing. Why in the world is he leading these disciples into a storm? Why would he do that, right? So yeah, you, it, it does raise some philosophical questions, but I want us to just have the clear understanding that the Bible declares that God is absolutely sovereign, absolutely sovereign. I want you to have five verses, and I want you to just think about how the sovereignty of God impacts you, you fearing God the right way and not f- having fear the wrong way for the wrong things. All right. I really wanted, that's what I wanted to spend time on today. Oh, and we still may go back and do some work on that. All right. But straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Clearly he's, I mean, it's just, it's, you have to, I don't know if there's any way to avoid that in the story that he's telling them to get in the ship. You continue to read the story. They end up in the middle of a storm. How is that possible? He's the one who sent them that way. All right. Then verse 23. There's, there's, uh, did I say Genesis? Matthew 14, verse 22. If I said Genesis, I apologize. Matthew 14, verse 22. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, I could give you an assignment for verse 23. I'm not. Right now, find five verses on the sovereignty of God. All right? That's what I want you to do and, and ask yourself, how does this impact fearing God the right way and impact not fearing the wrong things the wrong way, All right? Here's verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, here is a phrase. And in the fourth watch of the night... And in the fourth watch of the night, I want you to circle that. And in the fourth watch of the night, I want you to circle that phrase. I want you to write that phrase down because someone emailed me this morning. They're already starting their work on Matthew 14 and they, they brought up something that I have never considered. I don't think I've ever heard. I don't even know if I've ever heard anything about it. And I was like, well, this is fascinating. Now you remember how we do this, right? First of all, I love to consider myself a student with you guys, not just the one doing the teaching. Remember, this is the Bible study exercise. It's a guided exercise. So, But I, I'm right there with you. I'm participating with you. I'm not just the one saying, go do it. I, I try to be right there involved with you. So whenever I see your work, I'm always like, whoa, okay, what is this? So someone sent me this email. And they mentioned something about the fourth watch. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know what to do. So we're going to present it as a hypothesis to the class, right? And now as this hypothesis, like if we, if you came into hermeneutics class today, I would have written on the board fourth watch and I would be like, okay, guys, nobody is leaving class today. Or, I mean, obviously you can't keep people, people there. Our entire class time today is understanding the fourth watch, What do we do with this phrase? What can we do? What shouldn't we do? How should we understand this? Because it's the fourth watch. Now, please note, it's the fourth watch. They're in the middle of the storm. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, why do they think it's a spirit? Why do they think it's it's a ghost? It's, It's some kind of a spirit. Some believe the reason they think it's a spirit is because it's the fourth watch, that there's a correlation between that. This is a hypothesis. We're not being dogmatic about it. We have to try to see, can we be dogmatic about it? 
But here, here's what caught my attention. So someone sent me the following email. I didn't read the curriculum or commentary in the verses yet. These are just my observations. And I love that. All right. So someone's just giving me their observations first before they do anything else. All right. Good job. All right. As soon as I got the email, I got excited because the subject was Matthew 14. I'm like, yes, someone's doing the Bible study exercise. There's nothing more exciting than having people actually study the Bible. All right. Here we go. Verse 23. Let me read verse 23. Matthew 14, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain uh, apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. They said evening to, it says 0300 to 0600 is what they they say. And they, and they said that they need to increase their prayer time. Okay, well, yeah. So that, that's kind of, I guess, the time frame that they put that. You can, you can verify whether is that, what do we have a specific time that that would be referencing? Do we have that? How many commentaries agree? How many commentaries disagree? All right. Now, verse 25. Here we go. Matthew 14, 25. And in the fourth watch, and in the fourth watch, remember, that's the phrase I would have written on the, on the board if you walked into hermeneutics class today. This is what this student says. Fourth hour or the fourth watch is considered a time frame for spirits to be moving around the earth. Hmm. I had not heard this. Now, if that is true, if this was a strong belief at the time, that may explain why why, it's a spirit, it's a ghost, because it seems so weird, like, oh, it's a spirit, it's a ghost. I was like, where did that come from, guys? Where did that come from? Well, if there, either we could say the fourth watch is literally a time where spirits are active, or... It was believed to be a time. And so what the disciples are, are reacting based off of superstition. But then notice what Peter does here. All right, now look at this. They cry out, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. Now, is this Peter Almost as the emailer, one of our students said, was Peter testing the spirits? Is this Peter like, okay, he thinks it's a spirit, but he's going to test it. Hey, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to, tell me to walk to you. Now, does this demonstrate Jesus' belief or that Peter's belief in Jesus, that he believes, hey, if it's Jesus, I can walk right out to him. He'll make it work out that way. Is this showing Jesus' great faith in Jesus and that he's like testing the spirit? If it's a spirit, I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to sink. Now, it'd be in some ways that seems crazy because why would you want to do that, right? Because you're going to drown. But was this Peter going, hey, one way or the other, we're either about to drown here, all right, or or... And if it's a spirit, who knows what's getting right? We need to find out what's going on here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the whole story is, is odd the way it's written, but what is the fourth watch? So I emailed the student back saying, where did you get this fourth watch stuff, right? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with this, right? So they, they said, first of all, two of their reference books mentioned it also. They didn't give me the name of the books. So if the emailer uh, listens to this, please, e- or to the person who emailed me, I'll call him the student, 
please let me know which reference reference books and the page number so that I can then turn on the microphone and say, anyone who has these reference books, look this up. But they sent me a link. They sent me a link called The Witching Hour. This is the name of the article. The Witching Hour, Fourth Watch. Now, I'm somewhat skeptical here a little bit, but this is what they say. Have you have you ever had an encounter with otherworldly beings during the witching hour? Have you encountered a ghost or demon or spirits in the night? It can be very frightening, especially when you wake up out of a deep sleep and the spirit is hovering before you. These encounters usually happen late in the night around 3 a.m., which is known as the fourth watch. And the book of Mark, chapter 6, we read about an instance where the disciples were on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. While they were at sea, they turned and saw Jesus walking on the water. This frightened them, and they thought that it may have been a spirit or ghost. This is interesting to note because this experience was during the fourth watch. In Jewish mysticism, it is believed that during this watch of the night, the veil between the spirit realm of the world is very thin. Many awaken during this fourth watch to get into intercessory prayer as the Jewish mystics believe that there was a special blessing upon those who are up praying during this time. This is about two to three hours before the sun rises. In the Bible, we see uh, King David waking and praying towards the east in the morning and Jews praying towards the east as well. Now, just remember in ancient Judaism, there were specific times of prayer, specific, like, And this watch, or this watch they would pray, which then led to what's called the Liturgy of the Hours in the early church, where they designated specific times for prayer. Morning prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, nighttime prayer. They originally had, now now I think there's five hours in the Liturgy of the Hour. Originally it was seven. I've done some teaching on that. So so it is true that the Jews had specific times to pray. Um, It is believed that this is because they are praying towards the holy city of Jerusalem, but my studies have shown this is a much older practice of sun gazing and praying towards the rising sun, all right? Um, So they, they say that during this time, supposedly spirits were more active. Now, I, I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical. I, now, I'll put it this way. I am skeptical only in this regards. I don't know if there's any actual tr- proof or truth of this, but I, uh, uh, so, so I'm, I'm skeptical of it actually being a, a reality that, that spirits are more active at this time. And remember, I don't believe in ghosts because when a person dies, they either go to heaven or hell, right? So I don't believe in a ghost, but demonic spirits, obviously I believe in. And so are de- demons more active at a specific time? I'm skeptical of that concept, but I am interested in how widespread the idea was at the time of the disciples. So when it says the fourth watch, is does this explain, wait, it's a ghost, it's a spirit, it's like, what is this? It, does it explain that? So today, I want you to see what you can find about the fourth watch. I want you to look up any source you have, Bible, Bible Dictionary, Bible Encyclopedia, Bible Encyclopedia, if I can say the word correctly, and look up every commentary you can find and just see what they have to say about the fourth watch. Is there a correlation between it being the fourth watch and the disciples like, oh, that's a spirit out there. 
What is that? That's a, it's, it's something else. What is that? Like, why, why are they acting that way? Maybe now we know that they were being influenced. What I, what I would believe to be a superstition. I don't think the Bible would say demon, demons are more active at the fourth watch. I don't know if I could say that. I don't know. I don't think that would be accurate. I think if I look up every demonic encounter, and anytime the presence of demons or spirits, quote unquote, show up in the Bible, I don't know if there. I don't know if there's an overwhelming evidence that it's always connected to the fourth watch. So I would say that this could have been a superstition at the time that so influenced their minds, and that Peter, and and I think it would possibly have us interpret Peter in a different light here. Well, what Peter is doing here is like, hey, 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 I'm. I'm going to, I'm going to test this. And so Peter is actually testing the spirits. It's a fascinating thought, something to consider. So I wanted to at least present this. So there's your homework today. All right. Five verses about the sovereignty of God. And then I want you to just say, what is that? How does that help you have the right kind of fear and keep you from the wrong kind of fear? And then I want you to see whatever I want you to do. Go full blown detective, full blown researcher on everything we can find in regards to the fourth watch. Was this a common superstition at the time? Does it explain their reaction thinking it's a spirit? And does this help us interpret Peter's action like, whoa, he's testing the spirit. That would be really interesting and maybe change our perception of the entire story. All right, there we go. Now, if you were listening on the Church One app, um, I noticed that we just lost internet, or no, that we had, it turned red again for a second. And remember, we're still dealing with internet issues. We'll have them fixed hopefully by Wednesday. But just remember if the audio cut out, this will be uploaded to the Church One Sermons 2.0 app in the next 10 to 15 minutes. All right, there is your homework. Five verses that clearly declare the sovereignty of God, five verses. And then I want you to simply answer, how do these five verses help you have the right kind of fear for God and avoid the wrong kind of fear of the wrong things? And then I want you to go full-blown researcher on the fourth watch. Let me know what you find. Let me know where you find it. I love seeing like, where did you get the information? Which book? What page? What did it say? Take a screenshot of it if you can. If you can't do that, just send me the page number. If I have the book, I will look. All right. There we have it. We advanced the Bible. I know we kind of went a little bit out of order. I know, but that's okay. Um, I, what I love is engaging with the students. When, when you're working on something, man, that, that makes the whole Bible study exercise so much better when the students are participating. So I love that. All right. I'm going to stop there. Okay. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's the news, if at yahoo.com. All right. Hopefully that was beneficial. Kind of got a little bit of a review of where we've been. There we go. I, I tried to accomplish a lot in this episode. Hopefully it was beneficial. All right. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to get your emails. Go dig in. The fourth watch. What can we, what can we be dogmatic about? And how does this impact our understanding of what Peter did? This could be very interesting. I can't wait to see what everyone discovers. Thanks for listening. Have a great day studying God's Word.